The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses suicide, gang violence, and natural disasters. Listeners' discretion is advised. And remember, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. Welcome back to the Three Little Words podcast, where we read and rank romance novels on steaminess, dreaminess, and memeiness. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today we will be talking about Sunny Says by Jan Hudson. Claudia, what did you think of this book? I thought it was fun. It's honestly probably the corniest book that we've read. Yeah, 100%. But I kind of like that. Well, at only 178 pages, it was a very easy read. I read this in like two and a half hours or something. Yeah. I don't know if I like really liked it, Mm. but it was like a fun, easy read. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed parts of it. There were a lot of things I didn't like about it. I don't know. I just, it's, it's like something I feel like I would keep in my bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. It's a nice little bathroom read, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Can I tell you, I I want to tell you a story about a college professor I had, uh, an English professor. This English class, he went around, he was like, tell me one of your favorite books. And I said, I mean, one of the only ones I could think of at the time was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because I was under pressure and I loved that book. And he said it was a great bathroom read. And I dropped the class. Oh my God. (laughs) Honestly, fuck off to be honest to, to that guy but anyway well, i don't this this is a bathroom <laughs> <laughs> well that's the podcast <laughs> claudia's quitting <laughs> i did like that it just like hit like almost every single trope imaginable mm-hmm. which i also thought was just a little fun yeah okay real quick before we start can you take a second to describe your cover because you have the original version, I have the updated version from like 20 years later. Okay, so my cover here, uh, we have two white people almost kissing. Mm-hmm, a classic. Uh, our two leads here, Kale and Sunny. So Kale is like holding Sunny, who's sitting on some kind of ledge overlooking a harbor of sorts. There's like a gazebo in the background. It's very romantic. He's like holding her close and their their faces are just centimeters apart and he's got like this very firm muscular forearm so it looks like he's protecting her while also seducing her so the updated version um i i really have to say that whoever made this i really think that graphic design is their passion (laughs) so it has as a background the ugliest shade of teal just flat teal i've ever seen it's got this blonde girl in a red dress holding a red umbrella and like holding out her hand like "Mm, is it raining the title and the author name are in this like very saturated yellow in like honestly kind of a word art font that has like layers to it like it's it's a kind of 3d effect 
It has quotes on it that says she's never wrong about the weather. Is she psychic? Love, laughter, and a little sizzle. Struck by Lightning series number one. Oh, this is part of a series? Yeah. Oh. Uh, this cover is ass ugly. I'm so sorry to whoever designed this, but compared to the beautiful matte painting that was originally in the cover, I don't know why they updated it. I guess they wanted it to like not look quite so dated. But this looks way more dated. Yeah. It seems like something that an author would throw together just to sell their book on Amazon. Yep. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Since we do have two different versions here, I just looked up and the revised and updated ebook edition is 2012. I'm interested to see some of these differences here and what they did not change. Oh, wait. So they updated bits of the story too? Yes. Oh. There are a couple of things that I'm pretty sure they changed a couple of names to be more modern. Okay. I will go with the one example I really wanted to ask you about. Chapter 2. Believe it or not, I have a real nose for news. Julie Chen and Robin Mead had better move over and make room for Sunny Larkin, she said laughing and giving an exaggerated strut as she left the kitchen. I bet you anything those are not the names that are in your book. Believe it, I have a real nose for news. Connie Chung and Diane Sawyer had better move over. Aha! I knew it! I knew those weren't going to be the names in your book. So yeah, it's little things like that, and I'm interested to know. Uh, do you want to read the back of the book? Yes, okay. Kale, a sexy devil who liked the taste of danger, and her lips. Worldly, rugged foreign correspondent Kale Hoagland expected Little Miss Sunshine when he met his television station's weather reporter, but Sonny Larkin was a sassy surprise whose smile kindled enough sparks to start a bonfire. Intrigued by her enthusiasm and her rare talent, Kale wanted to mold her against him, savor her passion, and revel in the attraction that flowed between them potent as a riptide. A wizard whose touch made her wanton. He made her heart beat like rolling thunder, stroked her until she was wild with longing. But Sonny struggled to make Kale understand that his respect for her work meant as much as the magical pleasures they shared. Kale had never meant to fall in love, convinced his destiny lay in faraway places, but Sonny made him yearn to open his soul to hers. Could her rambling man believe in the kindred spirit he'd found? Nicole, would you believe... I have a different back cover synopsis. Oh, hit me with it. A light paranormal and romantic comedy with powerful love story, sensual. Struck by lightning as a child, Sunny Larkin awoke with an uncanny ability to predict the weather. A bolt of a different sort hit her again when dangling out of a fourth story window by a mini blind cord, she looked up into the eyes of Kale Hoagland, a network stud and heir to KRIP, the good news station in Corpus Christi, Texas, where she worked. The minute he grabbed her hand and hauled her inside, Kale could almost smell the ozone and feel the air crackle as he pulled the fresh-faced slip of weather reporter against him. Although he developed a potent yen for her, this cute little blonde was too young, too naive for a jade correspondent whose work took him to the cesspools and battlegrounds of the world. As soon as he got this crazy station back on track, he'd be gone. But maybe he'd underestimated Sunny, her abilities, her power of her heart, and her dreams. Very different tones. Very different. Can we talk about the fact that this is the second book in a row that we've read with a psychic reporter? Yeah. <laughs> what a weird coincidence, right? Yeah. For you listeners, the Roses and Rain episode was like three months ago. Oh. <laughs> but for us, it was the last episode we recorded. So finding two 
completely separate books completely by accident that just both happen to have a psychic reporter in them is so so strange both from the 90s too yeah so maybe that was just like a thing in the 90s they were all about the psychic reporters (laughs) (laughs) right before we get into it Mm -hmm. i looked up this book on goodreads Mm -hmm. and one of the first or maybe the first review is from uh, our friend gretchen who rated it four stars on April 15th, 2013. Mm -hmm. You know the movie term meet cute? Well, Sunny Says has got one of the most outrageous meet cute situations you could imagine. That it does. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, let's get into it. Let me tell you, page one, right off the bat, I was like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Yep. Listeners, my lovely listeners, I just want to read the first line. Hulon Eubanks was threatening to jump again. So this is not the first time that this man has sat out on this ledge of like a four-story building (laughs) threatening to kill himself. Yeah. Can we talk about how this is played for comedy repeatedly in the book? Several times. This man, over the course of this month, he threatens to kill himself like four times. Yeah. And like, I'm not someone who says like, you know, there are some things that can't be joked about or whatever. I think that with enough sensitivity and understanding and things, things, even taboo things can be joked about. But the framing is so weird on this, where it's like, oh, that Yulon threatening to jump off the fourth floor again because he is so deeply unhappy and uncomfortable in his job. Yeah, they call him like neurotic. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. The way it's played for laughs definitely is not okay. Yeah. So Sunny is going to fetch him. In order to get to him, she had to literally crawl out the window and onto this ledge. So she convinces him to come back inside. And while she's trying to get in, she somehow like gets tangled up in like her skirt or something or like her shoes and slips off the ledge and grabs onto the cord of mini blinds. And that's pretty much the only thing holding her up. I feel like that wouldn't happen. Oh, no. She would be dead. <laughs> She'd be dead. She'd be dead. <laughs> like, assuming she's very tiny, let's say, like, because she's, she's like five feet tall or something. Yeah. Assuming she's like 125 pounds or something, string cannot <laughs> hold that much weight for as long as she was dangling no. and, like, rocking about because she was trying to, like, gain traction and climb up the wall, but couldn't. Yeah, this is not the flexible tensile steel that Peter Parker makes to put in his web shooters. This is bought from the cheapest bidder in Texas string for blinds. <laughs> anyway, so all of a sudden she hears this like gruff voice telling her to let go. And this guy's got a face that she like recognizes, but like can't really put her finger on it. But he's very handsome. And she's like, you're nuts. I'm not going to let go. And he's like, let go. I got you. And she's like, okay. So she lets go. And he, you know, is able to reel her in. Also, people like really brushed off the fact that she was almost like a pancake. Yeah. It's so strange. What was that reviewer's name? Gretchen. Gretchen, you were absolutely correct. This book has (laughs) one hell of a meat cute. (laughs) Starts with a man on the verge of killing himself. As we all meet our SOs. (laughs) Maybe if I were to meet a man under those kinds of circumstances, I'd finally find the one. It's true. You need to make sure that you always have a boombox loaded with uh, 
Oh, fuck. It's not going to be funny unless I know the actual name of that song. <laughs> Won't you please step back from that ledge, my friend? It's called Jumper by Third... A boombox constantly loaded with Jumper by Third Eye Blind. So you can just kind of like hold it up and be like, don't do it. And then you could cut ties with all the lies <laughs> that you've been living in. <laughs> and then you slip and then a gruff man is like, I've gotcha. I fall the four stories. He catches me on the sidewalk. <laughs> we get married two weeks later. <laughs> or maybe he's Spider-Man. He, he does a little foot and then he uh, oh, yanks you and neck. breaks your neck. Yeah, like, like when <laughs> Stacey. <laughs> R.I.P. Gwen. A love story for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> So turns out her her savior is Kale Hoagland, who is the nephew of the woman who used to run the network. She passed away somewhat recently and left the network to her two nephews. So we have Foster, who's like not very important, and Kale, who's our male lead here. Can I say the manner in which Ravinia died is amazing. <laughs> At least when Ravinia's time came up, she died with panache. Two weeks before, Ravinia's plane had crashed in the Himalayas. The only remains were ashes, a few pieces of twisted metal, and miraculously, the gold onks she always wore. Sunny noticed that the Egyptian symbol of life now hung in the opening of Kale's wrinkled pink shirt. She, she definitely went out in style. Oh, yeah. Kale is pretty much there because the network isn't doing so hot because Lavinia was very set on only telling like feel-good stories yeah and so they were like we need to have like actual news i mean even like their sports reporter doesn't report on like scores because it like <laughs> it encourages like competitiveness so the only the saving grace really is is sunny who is their weather reporter and she is never wrong about the weather. She was wrong like one time and it's because she had the flu. So people will literally tune into other stations and then switch over to KRIP just to watch Sunny's weather reports. And so Kale notices this lady here and he's like, oh my God, like he's attracted to her like right away. So he's about to bounce and Foster's like, wait, I have to tell you something. But then Kale doesn't hear it and he heads over to Lavinia's house which he assumes is uninhabited. Uh, but I guess what Foster was trying to tell him is that he is not living there alone because the next morning he goes to the shower and stumbles upon Sunny and sees her butt-ass naked in the shower. Mm -hmm. I will say that Kale is also naked here, so they run into each other naked. Yes. Sunny stood under the pulsating spray, humming softly and lathering her body with herb-scented soap. With a sudden clattering swish, the shower curtain flew open. Her heart jumped to her throat and her eyes widened in shock. A naked man stood glowering at her. She screamed bloody murder. Sunny whipped the shower curtain around her like a sarong. What are you doing here? She tried desperately to keep her eyes on Kale Hogan's scowling face and ignore the other impressive parts of his anatomy, which he seemed to have no interest in covering. Had the man no shame? <laughs> Interesting array of polka dots. She looked down at the widely spaced dime-sized dots decorating the clear curtain. They afforded about as much coverage as a fly's wing. Her face blazed. She spun around, presenting her back to him, and still gathered the transparent plastic to her with as much dignity as she could summon. I, uh, can I just say, I know it's like kind of early for this, I don't like Kale. <laughs> I really do not like him. Nicole, I think this is the first time 
that we were split really? on a on a pred- I I kind of like Kale. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, but like <laughs> I don't know if I'm just like <laughs> it's not even that the last book that we read was was bad or anything or that I didn't like that guy. I think maybe it's just cuz he's not a cop. <laughs> And what was the book that we read? He's not a cop and he's not a military cop. So I'm like, ooh, Kale Hoagland. Oh. <laughs> rich. By comparison. Yeah, rich producer. <laughs> I don't know. I think he has some fun qualities. I think he's obnoxious and like way too pushy and like the machismo. Ugh. Like, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get I would hate that. I would hate this man in real life. I could never date him. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so like they're butt ass naked and he doesn't go anywhere. He just like hops into the tub and he's like, cool, like I need a shower. It's like, bruh, you don't know this woman. Yeah, he says, don't you think that Mr. Hoagland seems a little too formal for this situation? He asks, stepping into the tub beside her. Call me Kale. He tugged at the curtain clutched in her hands. What are you doing? She shrieked. Taking a shower, he held out the soap to her, mind washing my back. She snatched the soap and flung it. The bar caromed off the tile wall and fell into the tub with a dull thud. Wash your own back, you pervert. I did highlight that as Mimi because that did get a laugh out of me. (laughs) This book has some funny parts. Yeah. Some are intentional. Sometimes it's funny on purpose. She hops out of the shower. He takes a shower. She makes breakfast. Which, okay, I love Sunny. I think she's adorable. Yeah, Sunny gets a fucking A plus from me. She's the cutest fucking thing of all time. Mm-hmm. So she is living in the house with her coworker and friend Estella, who is like eight months pregnant or something yeah. at this point. Eight months pregnant. Her husband is like deployed in the Navy and he's not due to return for a couple months, I think. Yeah, I think it was like two, three months. So yeah. like not too long. I thought it was adorable that Sunny made breakfast. She says that she grew up with like a very large family. I think she had like six siblings, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think she said family of eight. So it's her five siblings and her two parents. Yes. Or <laughs> she has six polyamorous parents and only <laughs> one sibling. <laughs> I like that. Let's do that. So she like always cooks too much. And so she made pancakes. She made Estella's favorite, which I thought was just like adorable. She designed a little smiley face in the pancakes using raisins and cherry slices, which one, very weird toppings for pancakes in my opinion, but Estella's favorites. So maybe it's just weird pregnancy cravings, but I thought that was adorable. She was like, Estella needs all the cheering up she can get. So I made it like this. She's so great. I, I She's like so her. She's so cute. I love her. So Lavinia had hired them sometimes to like house sit for her while she was on trips. And she was on a trip. And then she died on that trip. So they've just been kind of indefinitely house sitting. And they did mention that while Lavinia did go on frequent trips, it wasn't like frequent enough where it warrants them staying as often as they did or staying indefinitely like they have been. Mm -hmm. So they think really the real reason behind her asking them to stay with her is because she wanted company. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's like super weird that they're staying in this house because they had a deeper relationship with Lavinia than just like house sitting for her every once in a while. Like, let's be real. They live there. Yeah, exactly. Like that's their home. Also, Lavinia was fucking loaded for the record. Oh, yeah. I mean, she owned the network. She has this massive house. She would go on all these trips. Throughout the book, we get like little insights into her character. And I think it's so fun just how 
like quirky and just like random and how interesting she was and her weird interests and hobbies. I want a book with Lavinia as like a more prominent character. I would read a book about Lavinia. After reading how she died, I had a very specific picture of what her house looked like, and it was described exactly how I pictured it in my mind with like old Victorian furniture and like really pervy paintings in her bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) She's a very evocative character. Yes, I wish she was alive so I could read about her. (laughs) Yeah, R.I.P. Lavinia. You died too young. Pour one out for a real one. Another thing, I feel like there are a lot of little things that happen that just Mm -hmm. really tickled me. One of them being, like a recurring thing being that Sunny always leaves her keys in weird places. Sunny, I'm begging you to get a key dish. (laughs) Okay, I'm not one of those people who like just leaves her keys wherever. Like I always, I I know exactly where my keys are at all times. My mother is definitely a person who... Like, she never knows where her keys are. (laughs) So I had to get her one of those, like, little tiles so she can find it. But then sometimes she loses her phone, so she can't use it (laughs) to find her keys. (laughs) But I thought this was much more endearing because she would leave it in, like, the weirdest places. The first instance of this being in the refrigerator behind the strawberries. And she's like, I wonder how they got there. She shrugged. Oh, well, I'm off to work. (laughs) (laughs) I do like finding throughout the book the little places where she leaves her keys. I think I marked some of them just because I kind of brushed off this first one. And then once I noticed it was a a pattern, I thought (laughs) it was very cute, very funny. It's a good bit. I will say this book has some very nice character stuff, Mm -hmm. but they pretend that there's plot going on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because so much happens in this book, but also nothing happens. And so what really carried it for me was just little insights into people's characters, like Sunny leaving her keys and Lavinia being a nut job but also amazing at the same time yeah exactly honestly i kind of feel like that's a downfall of a lot of romance novels that we read where they try too hard to be about something Mm -hmm. when like i'm here for the romance as much as i love the absurdity of the mining fraud in a virgin to redeem (laughs) the billionaire book that we will never stop talking about (laughs) it doesn't need to be there Mm-hmm. it's just kind of a throwaway plot device but they also spend a lot of time on it yeah or like i mean mountain retreat murder is kind of a, a fringe case love me whole is kind of the antithesis of this because that book is explicitly about building the relationship mm-hmm. and honestly i think it's kind of because we suspect that nikki james comes from the world of fan fiction Mm-hmm. which tends to be very character-driven when it's romantic. Yes. So Kale finds her keys, mm-hmm. and she's like, all right, I'm off. She, she's like, I need to go to the station, but I need to run some errands first. So Kale's like, oh, I'll tag along. She has to go to the bank because she has, like, no money. And she has, like, some kind of sensation. I think it was, like, her her nose was sniffing something. Like, she has a nose for news. As they pulled into the parking lot, she had an eerie feeling Not a weather feeling, but a general, more pervasive sensation. A news feeling that twitched her nose and put her on guard. And then all of a sudden, bank robbery. Right at the bank where the two of them are at. Yeah. She tells Kale, she's like, get the camera from the back. And he's like, oh, like this is dangerous. And she's like, well, you said that you want like actual news on the network. So here we go, actual news. And they get into like an actual car chase (laughs) with these bank robbers. Yeah. 
I think they eventually like end up. Do they T-bone these guys or? Um, they ram into them and in, like in behind them. Okay, behind them. Oh yeah, and like the the bank robbers have like guns, so they're also being shot at. Yeah. She hits them, which slows them down a little bit. But then they chase him, and she has like a mobile phone, calls the police, and is telling them like, "Oh, they're turning onto this road into this street and whatever." We're hot on their tail. I will say for a book that they are trying to convince me takes place in 2012, there are a lot of newspapers <laughs> and not a lot of cell phones. I think that is the only time that anyone mentions a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. The getaway car actually crashes into a garbage truck. They're getting their story and they want to get like more shots of like the crime scene and everything. Mm -hmm. The sergeant who's on site is like, no, Kale, get out of here. Uh, and then Sunny's like, oh, hey, like, how about me? And everyone everyone knows Sunny. She's like a local celebrity. Yeah. Everyone loves her because she never gets the weather wrong. And so I think almost every single person who encounters her is like, oh, you said it was going to rain on this day. So I postponed my child's birthday party and you saved us. Yeah, I really love how much everyone loves her. Yeah, I thought that was very cute. And I like how everyone has a story like that where like the mayor's wife had like potted plants out and Sunny predicted like freezing weather and it let the wife like bring her plants in to save them. <laughs> yeah. And it's just little things like that I thought were very cute. Yeah, so they get their story and, you know, it is a hit. It is in fact a hit. I think there's some conflict between them. He doesn't appreciate her recklessness. He stowed the camera and waited, hands on his hips as she bounded up, grinning and juiced up like some fool on high-grade coke, oblivious to the danger she'd been in. He wanted to throttle her. Wasn't that fantastic, she asked, beaming. What a story, I could fly. She whirled around twice before he grabbed her by the shoulders. I ought to beat your butt, he yelled in her face. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sunny being the best character in the world. Her smile died and her eyes flashed blue sparks. I'd like to see you try it. Right after that, what's the matter with you? Did the sun in Bangladesh fry your brains? <laughs> <laughs> I do love her. She's very sassy. Yeah. But, okay, so I don't like Kale, as mm -hmm. we've established, because he is very condescending. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the first times we see that. So he's a foreign correspondent. Mm -hmm. So he's been in areas of conflict and everything. So he says, don't you realize that you could have been killed? Do you have some kind of death wish? And I suppose the great Kale Hoagland has never braved a few tight situations for a story. He says, that's different. She gave a disdainful snort. Because you're a man? Yes. No, it's not because you're a girl. Woman. Woman. It's a matter of experience. I will say that I like Kale, but I like Kale because of his dynamic with Sunny. Kale on his own does suck. Yes. Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that Sunny makes him better, but the fact that Sunny sticks up for herself and will talk back to him and put him in his place makes them work for me and the fact that he gradually like really grows to to like get her and trust her that's my bit i know you don't feel the same not at all i cannot <laughs> believe that this is this is where we're landing on this book this is interesting this is this is the last episode. episode of the podcast because this is what tears our friendship apart <laughs> uh we were gonna have a cool halloween episode but <laughs> I can't believe we're two women allowing ourselves to be torn apart by a man. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, so it's 
the next morning and they make headlines. It's a Sunday, so it's a weekend. They're, you know, they have some time off. All three of them are in the house, Estella, Kale, and Sunny. Okay, I, I really gotta remember this book takes place in 2012, according to Amazon. Oh, yes. On Sunday morning, Sunny, engrossed in the front page of the Corpus Christi Caller Times, sipped her coffee and absently reached for another muffin. Wow, look at this, we made the headlines, she said to Estella and Kale, who were sitting at the breakfast table. Kale mumbled something into his eggs and Estella grabbed the paper. Let me see. As she read the page, her brows lifted and her mouth formed a silent whistle. Crip New- uh, K-R-I-P News Team. Can we talk about how they yeah. named the station Crip in- Crip. <laughs> In a book that has gang violence in it? Yeah. Do. <laughs> anyway, KRIP news team foils bank robbery. Well, well, a color picture in the whole works. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny because it's like, I'm sure you've marked so many more things as Mimi because of that, whereas mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, this is a book from the 90s. Like, this is fine. Yeah. If they had just said, like, this takes place in the 90s. Or they didn't say that they, like, tried to modernize it. I wouldn't be pointing this out. It's, like, obligatory time where I bring up Animorphs in this podcast. (laughs) They did an updated version of the first, like, five or six books where they brought it, like, into the 2000s. Maybe it might be, like, around 2012, too. But there's a lot of stuff about, like plot critical things about like vcrs and not having mobile phones and stuff like that like there is one part of one book where they bring a vcr of like a recorded news broadcast to someone's house to show them (laughs) and for the updated version they just added a line where they're like who has vcrs anymore (laughs) (laughs) and i i feel like that's more work than was put in here that's so funny yeah, they they really I they did not make an effort. I think no. <laughs> we've only talked about like one difference so far. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it's the next day, and they're reading their newspaper that has a page in color, which is astounding. Holy shit, dude! Sunny's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, Estella, let's get a move on. We're gonna go to Padre Island. They are planning on going shelling, so just collecting shells, which I think is very cute. Mm-hmm. But Estella has noticed that there's a bit of a, a spark between Sunny and Kale and pulls her pregnancy card and says, oh, like, my feet are swollen and like, I kind of just want to sit. Why don't you guys go on without me? Have a good time. Estella's a great wing woman. Oh, absolutely. And so they take Lavinia's convertible to the beach. Sounds very fun. So Sunny's looking all cute. She's got her little like white t-shirt and her yellow shorts and her cute little like sun hat with a brim and stuff. So yeah, so they make their way to the beach to go shelling. It's very cute. Oh, so here's where I want to talk about one thing Mm -hmm. about the Amazon version. They very clearly scanned it. They, They very clearly like took a physical copy of the book and scanned it to get all the words extracted from it. Because there are some things that didn't scan properly. Oh. She held up the green plastic bottle. Sunscreen, want some? Maybe later. He scowled and squirmed in the seat. Then he thinks, she's not slash or you, Hoaglin. What? Which I assume in your book says, she's not for you. Yeah, she's not for you, Hoaglin. Get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah, in mine it's not slash or you. She's not... Or you, Hoagland. <laughs> they really didn't try no. <laughs> with this Amazon version. They didn't. 
they put in the most bare minimum effort. And I'm pretty sure it's because like the rights transferred to Jan Hudson when she published it this way, as opposed to when it was the way it was originally published. With uh, Love Swept. Yeah. I assume that now she gets the royalties from it. Ah, interesting. It's something. I can't (laughs) blame her, but at the same time, maybe her people could have looked this over once. Nah. (laughs) Nah, Um, print it. Just put in Julie Chen, it'll be fine. Do we know what Jan Hudson's up to now? No. And here's the research part of the podcast. Jan Hudson, Canadian writer. Uh, she's Canadian. Um, no. This one probably isn't it, considering she died in 1990. What? I think I found the wrong Jan Hudson. Okay, yeah, because I know she won an award in 91, but it could be posthumous. Not impossible, yeah. Okay. A fifth-generation Texan, that sounds more correct. Yes. Jan Hudson is the author of over 30 romance novels and has won numerous awards and accolades, including the Golden Heart and the coveted Rita Award by the Romance Writers of America. Her most memorable adventure was riding a camel to the Sphinx and climbing into the sarcophagus in the King's Chamber of the Great Pyramid. Jan. What? What are you doing, Jan? (laughs) That seems a little disrespectful. (laughs) Wait. As her alter ego, Dr. Janice O. Hudson, she is a former licensed psychologist, college teacher, and hypnotist. She is considered an expert in the field of dreams and has written a nonfiction book, Into Your Dreams, about learning to interpret your unique dream symbols. Oh, no, this is not the Canadian Jan Hudson, now deceased, who wrote the acclaimed YA book, Sweet Glass and Dawn Rider. That's the one I found before. Nor is this the Jan Hudson, an alias for a guy named Smith or something who wrote porn in the 60s. That's very <laughs> Wait, funny. We're going to have to look that up now. <laughs> yeah, this is this is actually on her like Amazon page. Oh, that's so funny. And then check out her books list, especially those currently on Kindle, because that's the ones she makes money on. Ah. It doesn't say that. That's my editorializing. But yeah. Yeah. So I have you know, the old physical copy of the book. And the entire back cover here is like a little like author's blurb. Ooh. I was born during a full moon in July in the piney woods of East Texas. My mother swears that my birth was long and difficult because I had a tablet in one hand and a crayon in the other and wouldn't let go. I've been writing ever since and reading. Books have always been my great passion. One summer during college, a group of friends dragged me away from the current Shell Scott novel to visit a fortune teller as a lark. He told me that I was about to meet my future husband and his name was James. Since everyone who knew me was well aware that I planned to be a single career woman, we all laughed uproariously at his prediction. That night, at the dorm when I went downstairs to meet the blind date I'd been cajoled into accepting, I groaned and almost ran for my life the moment I saw him smile. It was fate in a gray striped shirt. He proposed the following night, and we were married on Christmas Eve. Holy wow. shit. Chan, what are you doing? After graduating at the ripe old age of 20, I taught for a few years, dabbled in creating poetry, and secretly plotted novels I planned to write one day. When our son was due, I left teaching in favor of motherhood. After we settled in Houston, I enrolled in a local university to keep my brain from petrifying. Not long <laughs> after I got my doctorate and our son left college, I discovered category romances. 
wow, I thought as I read them by the sackful, I'd like to write one. So I took a few classes, joined the Romance Writers of America, and got busy. Though my friends swore our love at first sight would never last, my husband and I have been happily married for more years than I admit my age to be. I'm now a licensed psychologist, though I teach in college in preference to running a private practice. My novel plotting has finally come out of the closet, and because I believe that folks need more love and laughter in their lives, I'm having a grand time. That's very cute. Is it Jan is. Hudson still alive? Can we get her on the show? Jan Hudson. Oh, oh, that's so cute. Her love at first sight story. Can you believe that? That's so fun. Yeah. Anyway, a nice little, little seg- uh, sidebar here about yeah. our author. Anyway, so back to the story. Sunny and Kale are at the beach. They're shelling. She's doing it because her niece loves shells and she wants to fill like a little treasure box full of them for her birthday. And so she says, oh, but like we should get out of here soon because it's going to rain. And Kale's like, but the national weather whatever said that it wasn't going to rain. And she says, no, but it is. And he's like, okay, I don't believe you, but okay. They actually have a very cute moment here Mm -hmm. where Sunny's hat flies away because of a gust of wind and Kale goes like chasing after it, which... Okay, I did think this part was very cute where he's like stumbling over himself trying to get it. They both scuttled up the high sandbank after it. Kale made a flying tackle, but the wind whisked the elusive quarry from his grasp and he landed on his face. He cursed, spit sand, and shoved himself to his feet. They spied the yellow rascal at the top of another dune, caught in a bit of vine with chiffon streamers fluttering in the breeze, teasing and taunting. I've got you now, Kale ground out, muttering curses and scrambling up the embankment with Sonny on his heels. So I just thought that was very cute that he's like scrambling just to yeah. catch this hat. It's very cinematic. I can very much picture this. Yes. I mentioned earlier that I feel like this book hits like every single trope and this <laughs> is definitely one of them. Just as the wind tugged it free, he sprang and pounced on the mocking culprit, trapping it like a loose football. Sonny stumbled over him, lost her balance and started to fall. He grabbed for her, and they both slipped into shifting sand and went rolling down the side of the dune in a wild tumble of flailing arms and legs, lost sunglasses, and spilled shells. When they came to rest, she found herself sprawled atop Kale, thigh to thigh, chest to chest, nose to nose. Yeah. I I love me a good trope, and I feel and this book really milks every single trope. <laughs> it does, and I kind of love it for that. It made it fun for me. Yeah. I also have a dreamy highlight. Oh. This is once he finally catches the hat. He uh, gives it back to her and he's squashed it in his attempt to get it back. With its crown smashed, it promptly slid off. Her lips twitched. I think it's dead. Bubbles of mirth caught in her throat and exploded. The corners of his eyes crinkled. One side of his mouth lifted in a lopsided grin. They both broke into gales of laughter. Shoulders shaking, Sunny buried her forearm in the crook of his neck. His arms went around her, and she could feel the laughter heaving his chest against hers as he held her close, could sense the rumble of the sound against her nose. I think that's cute. I really like that. So literally right after that, I have my first steamy. She could smell the delicious sun-warmed scent of his skin mingled with the lingering redolence of lotion and spicy aftershave. Without her thinking, the tip of her tongue went out to taste the enticement of his throat. His laughter stopped. They grew still. His body tensed beneath hers, then his fingers moved ever so slightly in slow strokes below her shoulder blades. He closed his eyes, clenched his teeth, and took a deep shuddering breath as if to breathe in her essence or to gain strength from the salty air. His hands moved downward to the swell of her bottom and pressed her against his hardness. His face looked as if he were fighting a thousand inner devils and losing. 
And then it starts to rain. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, we left the top down of the convertible. <laughs> Let's go, we gotta go. And she's like, wait, I forgot my sunglasses and the shells and your sunglasses. And he's like, come on, we don't have time for this. And she's like, no, my sunglasses are prescription. <laughs> I'm going back to get them, which mood, huge mood, Sonny. <laughs> he goes back, he manages to save the nice leather seats of the car. He waits for her for a while. He's just sitting there, like, waiting for her to come back. And he starts to think, like, the worst. It's like, could she have gotten hurt and fallen somewhere? And she's just out there crying in the rain. He starts to go back and look for her. And he sees her just, like, happily strolling back to him. Every few steps, she held out her arms and twirled in circles, lifting her face to the rain. What in the hell was she doing? Violent emotions pounded in his gut. He was torn between wanting to grab her and hug the daylights out of her, and wanting to tear a strip off her with a tongue lashing she'd never forget. As she neared, he ground his teeth and chided, Sonny, what in the bloody... The rest of the words stuck in his throat. And then, my, my first, I think, steamy highlight here... Her face was lit with a smile so dazzling that it almost drove away the summer squall, and her wet shirt stuck to her body like a thin film that was even more revealing than the bunched shower curtain had been. She wasn't wearing a bra. Less than an arm's length away, her nipples, dusky coral, and hardened into peaks by the rain drew his eyes like a magnet and stole a rational thought from his brain. He's just staring at her boobs and he's she, he's a boob man he is a boob man i mm -hmm. i kind of like that as a boob <laughs> man. and she's like did you did you get the top up i found your glasses too and she also recovered a lot of the shells <laughs> yeah she also recovered a lot of the shells very important he was still fascinated with her breasts his gaze seemed glued to them her pert nipples seemed to entreat him to touch them stroke them of its own volition his index finger reached out and slowly stroked one tightened areola she looked down at his hand, then up at him. Beneath long lashes clumped with raindrops, her eyes were very large, very blue, and filled with wonderment. Ooh. Yeah, there's a little bit where he feels conflicted about it. Tell me to stop, he said thickly. She looked up at him with those big blue eyes and said, why should I do that? Her lids slowly closed. It feels wonderful. And then they have a very passionate kiss in the rain. Another trope. Another trope. But it works so well here. Yes, but then he pulls away and he's like, all right, let's get in the fucking car. And then yeah. he gives her the sh cold shoulder because he's very conflicted about what just happened. Yeah. Where he wants her but shouldn't want her. Exactly. I really like that. I thought it was pretty hot to act on an impulse like that. Agreed. And to have it received well. If this was not received well, not hot. But, you know, there's been some tension between them. Mm -hmm. Also, another scanning error and her wet shirt stuck to her body like a thin film that slash was even more revealing than the bunch shower curtain had been. The W in was is broken up into a forward slash and vas, V-A-S. Vas. Vas. <laughs> it was even more revealing. <laughs> <laughs> so Kale's been giving her the cold shoulder since their little encounter at the beach there. Mm-hmm. But Estella is kind of inquiring. She says, oh, did something happen between you guys? And he's like, yeah, you know, we kissed, but like, you know, not a big deal. And then we have another instance of Hulan being on the fucking ledge again. Yep. Hulan, I've got a, I've got a song that might entice you. Don't you can step back on the ledge, my friend. Honestly, I think Hulan needs a little third eye blind in his life. Then again, this takes place in 1991. So... R.I.P. Hulan. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, they uh, it's like it's just not okay. Yeah, so Kale says, we're on the air in less than five minutes. Either get in here now or jump. Kale, Sonny exclaimed, <laughs> shocked at his callousness. He turned around, his irritation evident. Hell, he's not going to jump. I'm sick of the manipulative little bastard's grandstanding. Have you forgotten that his antics almost got you killed? He's very disturbed, Kale. Yeah, I'm disturbed too. <laughs> Damn disturbed. <laughs> like, And then he asks her to dinner. <laughs> yeah. In Can the we same talk breath? about why Hulon wants to kill himself real quick? <laughs> Because Hulon has been, like, promoted to lead newscaster, and he is not okay with that. And he, like, throws up before every newscast. He has, like, nightmares about the camera where, like, the little red flashing dot is, like, a laser and it's trying to kill him. (laughs) Yeah, he just is not doing well with this anxiety. And he wants to end his life about it. That's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, and, and it's been, like, a recurring issue, and Kale says, oh, like, give me a few days and we'll figure out what to do about it. And Hulon's like, oh, this isn't the first time I've heard that and no one's done anything. So Foster, the cousin who has been, like, running this network since Ravinia passed, just, like, hasn't given a shit. Yeah. He's just been like, yeah, 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 we'll take care of you, and then just hasn't done anything. Foster sucks. <laughs> I'm wondering, could he be held liable for anything? Yes, I think in this case he could, especially since he is like threatened to kill himself as a result of this multiple times. Yeah. I think that Hulon's family could hold the station liable. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it's his employer and Mm -hmm. it's because of working conditions that he was promised were going to be improved and then never have. (laughs) Honestly, I will say that... With witnesses seeing Kale say, either get in here or jump, I think if Hulon had jumped, Kale would be held liable. Kale? Going to fucking prison. Okay, so they go out to dinner, they have a good time. He asks if he could kiss her goodnight, and she says, do you think this is wise? He says, probably not. And then they they smooched. And this I marked as a little dreamy, because again, I think just giving into that like impulse even though he knows he shouldn't because he's technically her boss Mm -hmm. he brushed her lips with his gently at first then the pressure deepened and his tongue eased into her mouth she turned warm then chilled then warm again he lifted her so that her feet were off the floor and her face was level with his then kissed her again he kissed her as though he were a man who had spent a week on the sahara without water and she were an oasis her heart beat like rolling thunder and her toes tingled as if a blue norther were on the way also, I'll say that there's a very funny character bit where they're at dinner or brunch or something, and Sunny says, tell me, she said, replacing her cup in its saucer, is pink your favorite color? He frowned. I've never thought much about it. I guess I like blue best, or maybe yellow. Why do you ask? Because all your shirts are pink. He plucked at his shirt front. They used to be white, and my red shorts used to be a brighter shade. She laughed. I presume laundry is not your forte. I thought that was very funny and very cute. I like that he didn't just buy new shirts. He's just like, <laughs> all right, all my shirts are pink now, whatever. He's not even going to bleach them. <laughs> These little character bits are honestly the most enjoyable part of the book. Yeah. So yeah, I did enjoy that too. It's the next day. Sunny says she can't have dinner with him again because she has plans. Mm. And her plans include meeting Carlos, who's her crew man. And I marked this as something I didn't like, because Kale is just very jealous. Mm. And so she says, I'm meeting Carlos, and he's already made the arrangements. 
His eyes narrowed to cold slits. His molars got a good workout before he snapped. Carlos is married. Her eyes widened. So? She started to walk away, but he grabbed her arm. Damn it, Sonny. She shook off his hand. What is wrong with you, Kale Hoagland? I swear, sometimes you act crazier than Hulon does. I have to get on the set. So also, like, fucking Hulon. Yeah, I'm begging you to stop dunking on this mentally ill man. Yeah! Because there's another part where Kale says that I'm going to throw that man out the window myself. Yeah. But also, yeah, the jealousy, not cute. Not cute. But there is there is a cute bit of a couple pages later. He says since that day at the beach, he'd wanted to hold her close and let her radiance thaw the frigid places inside him. He wanted to bask in her essence and bury himself in her warmth. I like that. That's fine. <laughs> I, just don't, I don't like him. You're so uh, underwhelmed and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so he finds out from Estella that she's going to El Gallo Rojo, which is like a dive bar in like a seedy part of town. And so this is where I kind of, like, have a problem with the book. Yeah, so Nicole, um, as a Latina here, um, is this as fucking racist as I think it is? It felt very racist. I feel, I, I'm reading this, I'm just like, yo, Kale's racist. That I can't, like, he's racist. He comes off as racist to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not defending that. I'm not defending any of this part <laughs> of the book. So... This part of the book, to kind of just sum it up, Sunny is doing a story on gang activity and how gang activity is like on the rise in the town or like that part of town. So she goes with Carlos, who is mentioned earlier, like he's her cameraman. She has like a one man crew because budget cuts or something. Mm -hmm. And so he arranged everything because I think it's his nephew who is actually a gang member. Yeah. And is in, is willing to to talk to Sunny, willing to be interviewed as he's a part of the Tarantulas, so one of the gangs there. Some interesting gang names here. I think it's the Tarantulas, the Scorpions, and what was the other one? There's a third one. Like, I do remember the Tarantulas and the Scorpions. I don't remember a third one. It's yeah. something. Or, or, or are we thinking K-R-I-P is Crip, which is another gang? <laughs> no, no. I mean, <laughs> there's a bit later where one gang essentially informs on two other gangs who are going to have a... I forget what they call it, but they're they're gonna have a, a rumble. Yeah, rumble. <laughs> they're they're gonna come out and <laughs> and do their little snaps and dance fight. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about both that and I thought about uh, the first episode of Static Shock. Oh my god, yeah, with yeah. the bang babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like, okay. I know this takes place in Texas, Corpus Christi which is where Selena Quintanilla is from, if I remember correctly. So like very large Latino population, specifically Mexican population. So like, okay, I know it's not like unrealistic for, you know, these like little teenage Mexican boys to be part of gangs and stuff. I just, I, I don't know what exactly about this like rubbed me the wrong way. I feel like this gang stuff, one, comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that she's, like, wanted to be a more serious reporter and didn't want to stick to weather reports for her entire career. But I do feel like the gang stuff just kind of came out of nowhere. This could have been literally anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, even when she says that she's going to meet up with Carlos, it's not mentioned. It's not until, like, the next chapter. Like, we know she's going to this dive bar. And for what? We yeah. don't know until she's actually there. And they tell us, oh, she's talking to a gang member. 
maybe it's just the fact that like how how in depth they go into describing the dive bar. I think maybe that's it. Where it's like, okay, we get it. Like you're in a place that's full of Mexicans. Yeah, I think that's what it is because they they go into it. Once through the doorway, she paused for a few moments to allow her eyes to adjust to the dimness of the hazy room. The smells of Mexican cooking, which ordinarily set her mouth to watering, seemed slightly nauseating now, combined as they were with the odors of spilled beer, cigarettes, and other smoky substances she didn't dare speculate on. The radio was turned to a Spanish station, and the loud salsa music masked the hum of conversation. Occasionally, the click of pool balls or a bark of laughter broke through. Yeah. She sees, like, two women who are very clearly, like, prostitutes. hmm So I, I think that's what it was. I think just, like, mentioning all these things, I, I think, I think, I don't, I can't, like, place it, but I think that's what it is. I think just, like, kind of drilling it into the reader, like, hey, by the way, like, yeah, you know, like, we have our salsa music, we have the Mexican food. Yeah, I don't know. And, like, it's not that there are Latino people here who are in gangs. That's the issue it's how it's framed and it's also that the only character who is latino that we know of besides these gang members and these pimps and prostitutes at this dive bar is carlos who gets uh one line two lines yeah outside of this scene yeah and it's like he's not a character really he's just a guy yeah, like the, his only purpose as a character really is just to introduce her into this world of gangs. The seedy underbelly of Corpus Christi. Yeah, I wrote in my notes here, this scene in the bar seems pretty racist, TBH. Yep. Yep. Because again, it's not unrealistic. I think just the way it's framed. Yeah. Because there's literally like no other context at all. Yeah. It's just like gang and that's it. Anyway, so Kale shows up because he's worried about her, but also very jealous of Carlos, I think, because he was she was like hanging out with him instead of going to dinner with Kale. Yeah. But mostly he's concerned because he knows it's not a very good area. And another thing that pissed me off here. So he's like looking at her from the bar while she's like sitting at this table with this child. Mm-hmm. And so she's talking to Rico, the teenager. And Rico says, from the way he looks at you, I think he's more than your boss. And he seems very angry. She felt herself flush. He probably doesn't like my being here. He tends to be overprotective. Rico says, it's good for a man to protect his woman. She says, I'm not his woman. Rico grinned. I don't think he knows that. Here he comes. She says, Kale, what are you doing here? He says, I've come for you. He plucked her pad and pencil from her hands and stuck them in his jacket pocket. Let's go. This is no place for a lady. He grabbed her elbow and hauled her to her feet. But, but, she sputtered. I'm in the middle of an interview. Rico. Kale kissed her, hard. Infuriated by his behavior, she struggled to evade his mouth, but her efforts were futile against his strength. He ended the kiss, but still held her tightly. Glancing at Rico, he said, I'm taking my woman out of here. Any objections? I don't like him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not defending him here. I'm going to say that I really start liking Kale after, after this. Also, I know I'm lingering on the racism shit, but like, it's just so prominent here. And I really, reading this, I know the voice that I'm supposed to be reading these characters in, you mm-hmm. know? He's supposed, he's supposed to be, like, stereotypical, like, hey, Holmes, yeah, like that. Exactly. Like, that's, like, that's what it's supposed to be. It's gross. Ugh. 
I'm sorry, Jen, you're fucking, you were fucking racist in 1992. I'm not going to say that you still are because it's been 30 years, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, like, the emphasis on the machismo also mm-hmm. rubbed me the wrong way, though, like, it, again, is realistic. I mean, yeah. it's a cultural thing. Yeah. <laughs> I will say it, it. It's very prominent in the Latin community, and it's bullshit. But yeah, so, so when it came to the whole machismo thing, I, like, forgave Rico because he's a child and also I'm like, all right, you know, it's a cultural thing. Like he doesn't know better yet because he's a child. Yeah. But I did not forgive Kale for his actions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sir, why are you asserting your dominance over the 16 year old? Like, <laughs> relax. Really thinking that he's going to run away with your girl who's not even your girl. She's like your roommate at best who you kissed once and touched her nipple. So... He like hauls her out of there and he tells her that he fired Carlos because he brought her there. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? Well, if Carlos goes, I go. And he's like, what does that mean? And she says, meaning Mr. Hoagland, I quit. I love that. Me too. I love Sonny. Sonny's, Sonny's great. great. And it's like, yeah, girl, you have your integrity. It's bullshit that he came in here undermining you when you're clearly trying to put together a story. And being the badass reporter that you are, and this man comes in, fucking literally pisses on her, and then hauls her out of there. No, get the literally fuck out of here with that. Literally pisses <laughs> on her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, the racism continues outside the bar because some sex workers start yelling, like, you go girl, essentially. Yeah. And also, I think a pimp offers to give her a ride. Yeah, I'll give you a ride, little mama, said a man dressed in a flowered satin shirt. Kale glared at the glassy-eyed pimp who leaned indolently on a low-riding black caddy with curb feelers and extra chrome. So I actually had a dreamy tab here because I love Sonny, like, really digging into Kale. Yeah. He's like, you can't quit. Like, you have a contract. And she says, check your files, buddy. My contract lapsed two months ago. But even if it hadn't, I'd rather go back to frying hamburgers at a fast food joint than work for a domineering, chauvinistic blockhead like you. In any case, I don't need your job, Mr. Network Stud. If all I wanted to do was weather, I have a standing offer from the National Cable Channel for twice the salary you're paying me. She poked her finger in his chest. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, get his ass. Like, yeah, you go, girl. (laughs) Oh, so she like finds a taxi and she gets out of there and Kale gets real upset. Oh, okay. So here is a part I don't like. So she wants to drive out of there, but he has her keys Mm -hmm. and he refuses to give them back. He's like, I'll give them back to you if you unquit. And she's like, no, fuck you. I'll get a taxi. And she starts walking and he's like chasing after her. He's like, okay, fine. Like take your keys. He doesn't want her walking. He says, damn it, Sonny, you can have your keys. She turned and gave him a withering look. Shall I detail what you can do with the keys? And the woman's like, that's telling him, honey. Okay, and this is the part that like rubbed me wrong. Kale was torn between wanting to throw her over his shoulder and carry her, kicking and screaming to the car and trotting along behind her to see that she wasn't molested. Yeah. Bruh. Not, you know, an undue fear just being a woman in a city at night, but also. I feel like they also said that because. Yeah. Yeah, because of <laughs> where they are. <laughs> so anyway, so she finds a taxi and she gets in. He makes sure that she gets in okay. He goes back into the bar, sits next to Carlos, who he just fired, orders a triple shot of tequila, throws it back, and is like, ugh, women. 
Uh, he's like, by the way, you can have your job back. Sunny gets back to the house and she realizes like, oh, fuck, I don't have keys. I can't get into the house. And Estella is at the station right now. So there's nobody to let her in. So she's like, you know what? It's gross and sticky out. Like, let me go for a swim. So she strips down to her underwear, hops into the pool. She's like swimming around and suddenly she's like being pelted with roses. Real quick. She's just kind of like laying in the pool and just floating and looks at the stars. And she says, Ravinia, she whispered skyward. I know you must have loved him, but your nephew is a dweeb. (laughs) I did tab that. (laughs) Which he is. Kale is a dweeb. (laughs) So yeah, he's back and he's like pelting her with roses and she's like, what are you doing? He's showering you with flowers, uh, hoping you'll accept my apology. Is it working? First of all, he hasn't apologized. (laughs) She says, no, go away. And then he ends up stripping down. This part made me laugh. Sonny watched horrified as he removed his pants and his socks. When he hooked his thumbs in the tiniest pair of navy briefs she'd ever seen, she squeaked, don't you dare. And then he cannonballs into the pool. He's hammered right now. Mm-hmm. How did he get home? Did he tr- did he drive drunk? I don't know. They never really say. I'm not going to put it above him. I think he did. Because mm. they mentioned earlier that it was like impossible to find a taxi in that part of town. And she just happened to like find the one taxi and took mm-hmm. it out of there. And also, I feel like he wouldn't feel comfortable leaving his car in that lot mm. overnight. Yeah. So I think he drove, which makes him even more of a bastard. Yeah, okay. I didn't think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like him. I was looking for like every reason to hate him even more than I already did. (laughs) Yeah, fair. So he says, I also apologized to Carlos, bought him a beer and rehired him. All for you. It's like, ugh, shut up. (laughs) He snapped off the stem of a rose she'd mangled and stuck it behind his ear, which I thought was cute. Nicole. She's too cute to him and for him. Yeah. It's just like, why are you being so adorable to this disgusting jackass of a drunk man? Get You can do better, girl. He kisses her again. Oh, Nicole, we have the return of something that I was hoping we would never see ever again. Yep. He tried to kiss her once more. She managed to evade his lips. He contented himself with nibbling the side of her neck and making forays into her ear with his tongue. <laughs> yep. Romance writers, I'm begging you stop it <laughs> listen have you ever tasted earwax no the birdie bots every flavored bean when those were like a big thing i had an earwax one it was fucking foul <laughs> so like imagine like just like like eh, like dipping your tongue into someone's ear and like tasting it what if they don't clean their ears what if it's just yeah. like caked in <laughs> earwax uh, gross I don't get it. I never understood the whole ear thing. Like maybe like biting on the lobe a little bit. I mean, even yeah, that's I a stretch. That. Well, I, I liked that when I, you know, didn't have a bunch of metal in my ear. Yeah. It's like, just go a little lower. Get, get, get like the little pulse point right here, you know? Mm-hmm. Why the ear? There's nothing sensual about the ear. It's not a hole you could fuck. So like. I mean, he's doing a pretty good job. Tongue fucking her ear. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. So he unhooks her bra. He, he loves her boobs. He loves boobs. He does. Before she realized what was happening, the clasp of her bra popped and his hand cupped her breast inside of the fabric. Oh, babe, he moaned, nibbling her earlobe and rolling her hardened nipple between his fingers. You set me on fire. Kale, this is crazy. Hell, yes, it's crazy. I'm crazy. I've been crazy since I first set eyes on you. I haven't had a decent night's sleep. I can't concentrate on my work because all I can think about is you. I want you so damned badly that my teeth ache all the time. He lifted her from the water until her bare chest was level with his mouth. And every time I shave, I see these in the mirror. 
He nuzzled his face between her breasts, stroking his cheeks against first one nipple, then the other, before he took one pebbled tip into his mouth and suckled. The unbelievable sensation snatched a gasp from her and bowed her back. A million chill bumps raced over her skin. She grabbed handfuls of his wet hair and bit her lip from crying out. Never had anything felt more seductively splendid. And then Estella walks in on them. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, oops, sorry, forget I interrupted. So he's like, give me one kiss first. And she says, no. He says, you're a hard woman, Sonny, my love. He gave a snort of laughter. And I'm a hard man. I'm so hard, I think I may die. (laughs) She's like, oh, you probably won't remember this in the morning. And then he does. Yeah. Honestly, this bit, one of my favorite bits in the whole book. And this is what like really started like ramping me up to liking Caligan. When consciousness pierced Kale's brain, he threaded his fingers through the raw nerve endings growing from his scalp, pressed the heel of his hand against his forehead and moaned, He raked the thick hunk of moldy bear hide, it was where his tongue used to be, across the roof of his mouth and grimaced. It felt like the leavings of the shrine circus after a two-week engagement. He tried to sit up, but something shattered behind his eyeballs and he flopped back down. He grabbed his head, feeling sure that a homunculus in his skull was performing a frontal lobotomy without anesthetic. I'd rather a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. He plucked something from behind his ear and squinted at it. A wilted red rose... He lay there, his hands across his chest in a death pose, the drooping flower clutched in his fingers. He groaned. She was wrong. He remembered every humiliating detail of the night before, including the part where Sonny and Estella had helped him up the stairs as he sang, keep your sunny side up at the top of his lungs. I honestly think that's so funny. It's such a funny image of these <laughs> of these two women <laughs> dragging him up the stairs while he's singing show tunes at the top of his lungs. One of them heavily pregnant. Yeah, one of them heavily pregnant, the other one like a good foot shorter than him. <laughs> so Sunny actually points it out. She says, I don't think your behavior was so bad. For once you seemed really human. Yeah. And I thought you looked kind of cute with the rose behind your ear. Then he says, don't remind me, I've sworn off tequila permanently. Not even in my next life will it drop past my lips. I say that every single time I drink tequila. (laughs) (laughs) So I tabbed that and I was like, relatable. Yeah, he's just so embarrassed about all this. And she comes into the bathroom and she's like, I brought you coffee and aspirin. And he's like, I'm considering cutting my throat with his razor rather than face you after my asinine behavior when I came home last night. It's like, at least he owns it. Yeah. Nicole. (laughs) Yes. No, I was just I was just saying at least he owns it, Nicole. Mm. God, like like my boyfriend. No, um, I hate your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he's feeling like really shitty and she helps him shave, which normally I'm not really a fan of. I think that movies do it too often as like a sexy thing, and it's like not really that sexy as somebody who, you know, had to shave her face for over a decade. My brain just goes to Sweeney Todd. Mmm, yeah. This is the second episode we brought up Sweeney Todd in. It is. <laughs> and it's not going to be the last, I predict. <laughs> yeah, probably. But also, I threaten. <laughs> <laughs> she shaves him, like, very gently and very deliberately, and she does a great job at it. So I don't want to cut in because you said that it's, like, not, like, usually a sexy thing. And mm. I didn't see this as sexy. I did see it as intimate, though, and I yeah. think it was very clearly that because she said that she used to shave her brother when he like broke his arm or something and then her dad when he was in the hospital. Yeah, it's very caring. Yeah, so it made what is usually used as like a sexy thing and it turned it into something more intimate. So I did appreciate that. Yeah, he says to her, I may have been stewed last night, but I meant what I said, I want you. And she says, 
I don't think it's a good idea for us to become involved that way. Oh, she straight up uses him of sexual harassment or suggests that she definitely could, which she could. Mm-hmm. At the breakfast table, he's like, so you're coming into work today, right? And she's like, no, I quit. Don't you remember? We had a whole argument about it. She says the flowers were a lovely gesture and I appreciate the thought, but nothing has changed. I can't work for someone who has no respect for my integrity. What do you mean, no respect? If I didn't respect you, I'd have you stripped and lying across this table with me licking grape jelly from your navel right now. That sounds like sexual harassment to me. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. It very much is sexual harassment. So then he tells her that he wants her to take over as KRIP's anchor on the Monday through Friday news, so replacing Hulon. Yeah. She says, why me? He says, because you're the most qualified person for the position. Hulon is a disaster. He can devote himself full-time to being news director, which he can handle credibly. Which, like, that's all you need to do to prevent this man from, like, threatening to kill himself multiple times. Yeah, I mean, they moved Carlos over to Weatherman after Sonny quit. Could they not have just moved Carlos over to Anchor, (laughs) like, to begin with? I guess maybe they don't think that highly of Carlos. Well, that, or it's because he's not white. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was going to say that too, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, so she says, okay, cool. Like, I'll do it on a trial basis for like two months, but I'm not signing a contract. So she wants to be able to bounce if necessary, if he he keeps being an asshole. Yeah, and she wants to uh, be allowed to continue her story on street gangs. And he says that she can so long as he goes with her. Yeah. Oh, and this is... Where we learn why she's such a good weather reporter. Oh, yeah. So Sunny was struck by lightning as a child. Her and I think her brother and her cousin. I could be wrong. Uh, no, just her and her older brother. Her and her older brother were struck by lightning as, as children. She, since then, uh, has been able to predict the weather from, uh, quote, little squiggles up her back and her body. She's just learned how to do it. Oh, the full quote. My ear and a funny little squiggle at my back. After 22 years, I've learned to interpret all the signals. 22? I thought you were 26. I am. I didn't get struck by lightning until I was four, which is a huge, like, line drop. I, I honestly love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was four years old, my older brother, my cousin, and I were playing outside one summer afternoon. A sudden thunderstorm hit, and we took shelter under a huge oak tree near our barn. A bolt of lightning struck the tree and splayed in half. My brother, Neil, was only dazed. I was unconscious for five days and Lib was catatonic for two. Mine doesn't say all that. Really? Yeah, mine says, When I was four years old, my older brother and I were playing outside one summer afternoon. A sudden thunderstorm hit and we took a shelter under a huge oak tree near our barn. A bolt of lightning struck the tree and split it in half. My brother was only dazed, but I was unconscious for five days. I think it's because they added the third story to this book. Because the next story that they advertise in my book is about her brother. Ah. Ah, okay. So I have to assume they that she was like, I don't know, just throw in a cousin. Yeah. Okay. So wait, so there is the also the cousin in your book then? Yeah. It oh, says that's my so, cousin. Yeah. Look at that. So, oh. My older, my older brother, my cousin, and I. Oh, yeah. No, here's just her and her older brother. Hey. Look at that. Franchising. They definitely <laughs> went and made sure they put that in. So her older brother cannot predict the weather. And I, I'm assuming her cousin doesn't either, but you will have to tell me. <laughs> I suppose he said cynically that your brother can predict the weather just as well. No, she said, clamping her mouth shut and refusing to say more. Yeah, so she's like, okay, well, like, you still plan on, he, he was planning on going golfing. It was like him, Foster, and then two potential advertisers for the network. And so they were going to do some networking over some golfing. 
And mm-hmm. she says, don't do that. It's going to rain. And he's like, nah, the, the national weather report was didn't say anything about rain. Lo and behold, <laughs> it rained. Kale says to no one out in particular, she predicted scattered thunderstorms. Who? Sonny? Foster asked. When Kale nodded, he said, why didn't you tell us? You don't believe that hogwash Sonny spouts, do you? Are you talking about Sonny Larkin, the KRIP weather forecaster? Asked George Withers, one of the foursome. Fine job she does. Missed her last night. I was... I always watch her on the 10 o'clock news. Was she sick? Kale says, no, she was on another assignment. Damn shame, George said. If she'd been on, we'd have been warned and could have picked another tea time to miss this frog strangler. Frog strangler? I didn't catch that the first time I read it. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Certainly a phrase. So another instance of people like having like a personal connection to Sunny. So Harvey Levine is, another, is one of the advertisers. He says, I don't think Sonny has ever been wrong. My son got interested in weather forecasting and did a term paper on it last year. As part of his research, he checked Sonny's predictions against the weather services for the whole semester. The majority of the time, Sonny and the service agreed, but when they didn't, she was always right. She's a bright little lady. So I just love that everyone like has a story about her. Yeah, it's so cool. Also, in the next scene, I have a Mimi highlight of things that definitely should happen in 2012. Oh, before Um, then, mm. can I just mention that at this part in the physical book, I have two little (gasps) ads here with like a postcard I can send in. Oh my God. So if you are in possession of a physical copy of the 1992 version of Sunny Says, you will find an ad. It says, where will passion lead you? You're invited to enter our winner's classic sweepstakes presented by Love Swept for a chance to win a romantic 14-day vacation for two to Hawaii, Europe, or the Caribbean, plus $5,000 in cash. So all I need to do is peel off these two stickers, put them on this postcard, and mail it. Also, I checked. There's no date on here. So I kind of want to send this in and see what happens. You should. (laughs) And it says no postage necessary if mailed in the United States. So there's okay. literally nothing stopping me from sending this in. Nope. Might as well. So might as well. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Rats. Sonny slammed down the receiver. The phone's on the fritz again. What good is the darn thing if it works only half the time? I reported it for the tr- third time yesterday. They promised to send someone out on Monday to check it, but I think they're laying new cable or something. Anyway, that was their excuse for an intermittent service. I wanted to find out the screening times for the movie, and I can't find the newspaper. Definitely something that happens in 2012. Mm-hmm. I, in 2012, loved to call movie phone uh, if I couldn't find the newspaper. Of course, the newspaper is the most reliable. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so she goes out to dinner again with Kale, and she has, like, a very uneasy feeling. So the first thing that happens is Ravinia's convertible stolen from the parking lot of the restaurant. They call the police. They report it. But Sunny still has this feeling that something's wrong. She's like, I think something's wrong. We need to get home to Estella. And so she's calling and calling from from the car phone or something. Mm -hmm. What did they say in, in your 2012 book? Let me see. I'm going to call Estella. The phone rang and rang and rang. She tried the landline at the house. So I guess the implication from the first line is she called Estella's cell phone. But they don't say it. Mm-hmm. She tried the landline at the house. It rang and rang and rang and rang rang. The fact that it continues ringing on a cell phone is 
far-fetched to begin with. Yeah, there's no mention of a car phone or anything. Huh. So they did take that out if they said car phone in your book. It doesn't, it doesn't actually say. Hmm. Something is wrong, very wrong. Hell yes, something's wrong. Some sleaze just hot-wired the car and helped himself to it. No, something else. I'm going to call Estella. The phone rang and rang and rang. Does it say she tried the landline of the house? No. There we go. An implication that she tried calling Estella's cell phone in the modern right. version. So they get to the house and Estella's like like on the ground with some towels or some shit. And it looks like she's uh, she's in labor. Yep. She's uh, crowning. There's no time for an ambulance. They can't find her car keys. So they're like, we're going to have to deliver the baby here. And also the <laughs> phones are out for some reason. So... They deliver the baby. I found this bit very funny. Kale met her on the way back. I hope you know what you're doing, he muttered out of the side of his mouth, because I sure as hell don't. We watched a movie in childbirth class. Oh, you have a world of experience, he said sarcastically. Don't we need to boil some water? Sunny rolled her eyes. For what, a cup of tea? It's like, they always, in when they do it in like movies and TV, it's like, boil some water and get some clean towels. And... Sunny makes a good point. It's like, yeah, what do you what do you need the boiling water? I guess for sanitization, but like I feel like alcohol will do that better. Yeah, and she did use she she said she washed her hands up to the elbows and then like just threw alcohol everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So they deliver a fucking baby. Uh and then I did think that this was funny because the phones have been down forever. Mm-hmm. And then so after she's fully given birth and is holding her son. Uh, at that moment, the phone rang. Incredulous, Sonny and Kale looked at each other and shook their heads. It was a salesman trying to hustle aluminum siding. That's not in my book. Really? No. Can you read the line before that? We're, t- we're talking about the shoelace? Yeah. It just yeah. stops there. Really? Yeah, for me, it so says, it's- Estella, breathing raggedly as she stroked her newborn baby's back, said, forget it, you're not using a nasty shoelace on my baby line break a few minutes before midnight oh yeah no right before that i have the the phone part how strange well because in 2012 why wouldn't they just use a cell phone to call i hang on because i think they do call someone because here they don't because they can't oh my god kale call an ambulance hang on estella kale is calling an ambulance no time for an ambulance she gasped this baby is coming Kale rushed in. They're on the way. So they do call. Oh, let me see if that's in here. Oh, my God. Kale, call an ambulance. Panicked, Sunny ran to the bed, knelt beside her friend and took her hand. Hang on, Estella. Kale is calling an ambulance. Phone's out again. Nope. She clutched Sunny's hand. No time for ambulance, she gasped. This baby is coming. Oh, no, no. Pant and blow. Blow, blow, blow. Don't push. For God's sake, don't push. Kale rushed in. The phone's not working and I can't find your damn car keys. Your escort is blocking Estella's car. I'll run next door and Estella cried out as a contraction heaved her body. Kale blanched. There's no time, Sunny said, a calmness flowing over her. She picked up the clean linen from where Estella had obviously dropped it. Help me get this under her. Blow, Estella, blow. Yeah. All that stuff about the car, about the phones, all that's cut. Just, he does call an ambulance and they're on the way, but, like, they're not going to get there before this baby comes. Huh. Which, I mean, like, keep it simple. Yeah. Great edit, to be honest. Yeah, if they overcomplicated it, it just would have been stupid. They did all that for a punchline. Yeah. About aluminum siding. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was kind of funny. I had no opinion. It wasn't in my book. (laughs) So yeah, so they're at the hospital now. And Ed Jr. is in 
His mommy's arms. Oh, oh, here's another reference. I'm wondering what they said on your end. So it's literally right after the break. A few minutes before midnight, Sonny and Kale, arms wrapped around each other's waist, stood at the hospital nursery window and watched Ed Jones Jr. sleep. Isn't he wonderful, she asked, resting her head against Kale. Seven pounds and three ounces of perfect, beautiful baby. Won't Ed be thrilled when he gets the telegram? Won't Ed be thrilled when he gets the message? Oh! (laughs) Interesting. Telegram. Telegram. All right, so the hospital, then they leave. With Kale driving the escort, they pulled into the driveway of the big house facing the bay. Sonny said, when the ambulance came, I was in such an uproar that I forgot to ask you where you found my keys. In the pantry on top of a can of tuna. Why do you leave them in such strange places? I don't know. I usually put them down with the last thing in my hand and swear that I'll remember, but I'm always losing them. Even when I put my keys someplace special so that I won't forget, I do. ADHD queen. (laughs) Oh, so here's something that I'm wondering if they have in your book, since it has a very outdated term that we do not use anymore on account of it not being appropriate. Oh, is it where they say the orange? Yeah! Yeah, they say it a couple of times in here. It's oh still my in God. there. Wow. <laughs> I learned my skills from Pro in the Orient. I don't think that was okay even in 1992. <laughs> no. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering if they removed that, but, but I guess not. I was really surprised to see it in there. <laughs> it's bath time. So he's like, all right, go to the bathroom in Ravinia's room, like the tub's bigger. And it is. She says the bathroom's like the size of her bedroom, which is nuts. Must be nice. Must God, I wish that were me. Yeah, so she's in there in the bubble bath, and they discuss the art collection on the wall of the bathroom, <laughs> which I thought was funny because Ravinia is a fucking hoot. She is. Did you know those were here? She inclined her head toward the tiles where couples cavorted in a variety of settings. He grinned and nodded. They've been here for years. Ravinia felt that their acquisition was a tremendous coup for her. The quintessence of early Italian erotica, I believe she said by a truly inspired artisan. I forget his name. He must have been inspired by the Kama Sutra. Kale laughed, poured the wine, and handed her a glass. And what would a delicate young maiden such as yourself know about the Kama Sutra? She says, quite a bit, actually. I studied it thoroughly at the age of 13. Penny Wilcox swiped a copy from her parents' closet, and five of us spent all night at Mimi Nelson's slumber party, poring over every page. But these, she gestured toward the brazenly explicit scenes, make that volume look tame. Oh, and this this part made me laugh too. When Foster and I used to spend summers here, we could hardly wait until Aunt Ravinia left the house. We'd make a mad dash for this place and stare at the tiles in awe. We even took pictures, although the proportions of some of the characters were overwhelming to a 15-year-old boy. They are quite well-endowed, aren't they? And extremely agile. And then he asks her how experienced she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, like, sexually. So she says, I'm not a virgin, but I've never done any of that stuff, referring to the horny images on the wall. She says, have you? He only chuckled. Suddenly, she felt like an absolute ninny, a naive sexual incompetent. Kale was a seasoned man of the world, one used to women with a level of expertise far beyond her own. Her know-how was limited to a couple of unsatisfying encounters and the information she'd pick up in books. Relatable. (laughs) (laughs) I learned about sex through Naruto fanfiction. I, yeah, through, like, erotic stories on porn sites. Original works, though. Definitely not appropriate. I learned about sex in a biological sense 
from mm-hmm. my older sister who is seven years older than me. And then I learned about fucking through fanfiction.net. <laughs> oh, boy. He says, shall we experiment together? His voice flowing over her like sensual oils in a harem room. She swallowed. Maybe we could start with something simple. Here's where we get to fucking. <laughs> Indeed we do. So she takes a bath and she drinks the wine in in the bath and he undresses and gets in the bath with her. But I will say her breath caught and she quickly averted her gaze. One thing for sure, he could hold his own with any of the men romping on the tiles. (laughs) He begins washing her. His tongue flicked the tip of her earlobe and trailed downward and crossed the top of her shoulder. I'd like to bathe you all over like a cat. A cat? Hmm, with my tongue all over. The smoldering tone of his words flashed warmth through her body. Doesn't sound very hygienic. He moves the sponge down to rub between her legs. And then at some point places the sponge with his fingers. Uh, then then she, she definitely comes. Yeah. At some point, his fingers replace the sponge, stroking, stroking until she was mindless with sensual awareness. Her fingers curled around the wine glass, tighter, tighter, tighter until she thought it would burst in her hands. When she thought she could stand no more, great spasms of pleasure convulsed her, shattered her senses, and sent her soaring. As the waves diminished, the glass tipped in her lax hands and wine spilled into the water. She fell back against him, boneless, deliciously sated. And then, relaxed now, he asked, like an overcooked noodle. (laughs) Oh, and then he says, ready for the next experiment? Languishing against his chest, she sighed. Give me an hour or two. Girl, you really need that long to recover from one orgasm for being fingered? Girl. I mean, not not all of us have, have that shorter refractory period, Nicole. Is that a thing? Like you would need an hour or two to recover? Maybe not an hour. I feel like, like that's a long time. I'm not saying it needs to be like four and a half seconds. I'm saying an hour <laughs> or two? I mean, listen, as a trans girl, different. Really? A lot shorter of a refractory period than before uh, estrogen. Mm. But I, I can't go immediately after. God, am I really that horny? <laughs> I don't think it's horny. I think just my body works differently. Goodness gracious. Well, actually, I'm not as young as I used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm tired now. <laughs> so it's been a while. So who knows? You and the narrator of Vladimir. Oh, my God. <laughs> So anyway, differences in anatomy aside, yeah, I do I do think that maybe she's she's taken a little time being a little exaggerating. This sex scene after this part explicitly Mimi. Just it's so bad to be <laughs> honest. Oh, okay. So before we get into that, Nicole, I need to know one thing about your copy of this book. Yes. So Kale has this um, pin-up model, swimsuit model poster above his bed from like when he was a teenager and would sleep here in this room. And she laughs and, and says, I'm not sure I can do this with her watching. The last vestige of my youth, I'd forgotten it was there. He stood on the bed, ripped the old poster down, then wadded it and threw it in the trash. Stretching out beside her, he kissed her languidly and ran his hands over her body. She isn't the one I've lain here night after night fantasizing about. She's an also-ran compared to you. What the fuck is that word? Is Does it say also-ran in your book? I think so. Wait, but does it say who the pinup model is in your book? No. It's Farrah Fawcett in mine. Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. I love that. Wait, I gotta, I gotta go back now. 
He swept her into his arms, carried her to his room, and placed her on his bed. She looked at the ceiling and giggled. I'm not sure I can do this with Farrah Fawcett watching. It just says her watching. Oh, no. Here they say Farrah Fawcett. And at the beginning, it says his old pinup poster of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model curled around the edges now. That's so fucking funny that it's Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> yeah, also Ran is in here. What the fuck? I... I didn't Google it purposefully because I was like, I, I want to learn this on camera. Also ran a loser in a race or another contest, especially by a large margin. Oh, because they so also like, ran. Yeah, they also. So yeah. it's like a, a <laughs> I was about to say it's like a butterface. <laughs> 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 Not really. Yeah, I okay, I get it. I get it. You should have chosen a more human phrase, but yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of that. It's probably also like super dated. I thought for sure that was a scanning error. <laughs> nope. After slash Voss and not slash or. <laughs> also, I've noticed. I noticed, and I thought this was kind of fun. How whenever she's experiencing like powerful emotions or sensations or something, they describe it in terms of weather. Yeah, and that's why I found this sex scene incredibly memey. Yeah. Also, I will say the last like really sexy thing in here. I think this is the first time outside of Love Me Whole that we've had a man in the sex scene asked to be touched. Yeah, usually, yeah, a lot of the ones we read, it's been like Daddy Dom. Yeah, it's it's like he, he sweeps her off her feet, pushes her down, and like there is something to that, but like his kisses became more fervid, his tongue an instrument of sweet torture. Touch me, he said. And when she did, he became a wild man, taking her to heights of longing she didn't know were possible. It's like, that's hot. Wild man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Also, they use protection. Yeah. When was the last time we had that come up in a book? We had it come up in Love Me Whole, yep. I think. And yeah, we did. Virgin Billionaire. Right. Most of the time. Yeah, I mean, the, it came up multiple times. I mean, Innocent Simon Scandal to a degree, more in the sense that it wasn't used. Yeah. I think that's it. On the subject, because I'm, I'm curious now, as a fellow enjoyer of like smut and fanfic and stuff like that, mm -hmm. when you read something, does it like take you out of it if they talk about protection? There is only one time where it has taken me out of it, and that is when the protection has been to such an a, a kind of unnecessary degree. Mm -hmm. It was this lesbian one. One girl got out like rubber gloves to finger her girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe I get that for a sensory thing, but like it felt more like it was supposed to be a protection thing. Okay. Yeah. And I, maybe I'm ignorant, but I don't think that's necessary. So the only time I've included a rubber glove was when I was writing a scene with like some BDSM in it and he touched some rope. And so you can't, touch rope and then stick your fingers up in there because it has like loose fibers and stuff so you oh, put on a, a glove and then just like poop, you know <laughs> okay because i'm wondering because there are times where i'm kind of down with it i'm like oh like you don't need to mention it like it's not the author's job to teach me about safe sex yeah so i and i know some people feel that way where they're like oh it takes me out of it completely i feel i tend to include it i think yeah I think especially if it's for a plot or character reason, I think that slaps. Like like in Love Me Whole, it's an allusion to the fact that more people in the system than just Cohen and Oren 
are aware that sexual things may be happening. Mm -hmm. And it's like a character moment about Theo's kind of foresight and proactivity. I mean, here it is one sentence. At the moment when she couldn't stand the tension a moment longer, he reached for a packet and knelt between her knees to roll on protection. That didn't take me out of it. I noticed it. Yeah. And I was like, ah, all right. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, because I know, like, I have spoken with people who are like, yes, it takes me out of it. I hate when this is included. And I'm like, oh, like, if they wrote a whole paragraph about it, I'd be like, okay, we get it. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I feel it adds a nice level of realism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's fine. Like, when it's not included, I'm not like, oh, man, they should have added something about it. But, like, when it is included, it doesn't take me out of it. It's not less horny because they're being safe. Exactly. A lesson to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the memeiness here in this sex scene. First of all, they join the primitive dance together, which I think is silly. Eyes locked, they grew hot and slick, moving and moaning, savoring and struggling until they were sucked into the raging winds of a cyclone and spiraled into a turbulent climax. When the last tumultuous pulsation had passed, Kale rolled to one side and pulled her into his arms. Talk to me, love. How do you feel? She, uh, she, period, signed and snuggled against his damp body, scanning her. Oh, no, it says signed here, too. Huh. So that's just a typo. Does it have a period there? She, period, signed? Nope, just says she signed. Slight scanning error, but also a typo. Like Dorothy, just after she discovered the land of Oz, you must be the wizard. No, I'm the tin woodman. I've just found my heart. Uh. I hate and love this. <laughs> like, this is exactly the shit I expected when we started this podcast. Yeah. But now I've read so many, like, good or decent sex scenes, and it's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh my god, yeah, but fully agree where I, this is definitely what I was expecting when we first started this podcast, and now we have read a lot of really good sex scenes. Yeah. So now this shit just comes across as hella corny. <laughs> yeah. Also, later on, sexual involvement, especially of the magnitude she'd shared with Kale, had turned her world upside down. He had awakened something within her that she hadn't been aware of before, and she felt eons older and wiser. Made her into a woman. Look at that. Oh, so Estella goes to live with her parents for a while because she just had a baby, and they can help take care of the child. So it's officially just Kale and Sunny in the house. Mm -hmm. How much do we have left to talk about with this book? Because my percentage says 60%. But it's really like, I feel a lot of the following plot points we can really sum up. Yeah. There are a couple of things I want to talk about with the gang thing. Mm-hmm. So they go and meet a couple of other gang members uh, of the Scorpions. The last people were the Tarantulas. First of all, oh boy. Two teens, big burly fellows with necks thicker than railroad ties, ambled toward them. They wore what seemed to be the uniform, low-riding jeans and red tank tops with a scorpion stenciled across the chest. One wore earphones and snapped his fingers to a beat only he could hear. They both walked with a swagger, their heads topped by odd-looking haircuts waggling like the bobble-headed dogs given as carnival prizes. Pause real quick. Mm -hmm. Mine says one wore a radio clipped to his belt and earphones in his ears. Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. The one without earphones looked up Sunny up and down. You be the one on TV. You're bad. She felt affronted. Bad? Yeah, bad. That's good. 
This is Jeffrey. We call him Meat Hook. Say hello to the lady, Meat Hook. He inclined his head briefly. Do. Do? Do. Go? Do. I don't know. Do. Do. Meat Hook don't talk much, BJ said. And you'll have to pardon him. He ain't much on manners either. Uh. Anyway, so a factory across the river starts catching on fire. This is the part that reminded me more of Static Shock. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can see this. <laughs> they have their cameras with them already, and they start like a live broadcast somehow or some way. I don't know. But they cover the fire as it goes, and the two gang members help like direct police and fire trucks as they like do their work. After all this, <laughs> okay, well, first of all, Man, did you see all them trucks? They were flash. All them dudes running around with hoses and stuff. They were bad. Me and Meat Hook decide we might like to be firemen. And he elbowed his friend. In that right, Meat Hook. Spelled I-D-N apostrophe T. In that right. Yikes. In that right. Then after that, Kale has the audacity, the racist audacity to suggest that these these boys started that fire to like be heroes on the news. Can you believe the white audacity of this man? I cannot. The caucasity. Yeah, caucasity. There we go. <laughs> the audacity of this caucasity. I doubt it can be proven, but I wouldn't be surprised to discover that those two young thugs set, set the blaze just to show off and get a rise out of us. Term thugs, always racist. Yep. Remind me why you like this man. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to let you win. Is <laughs> the reason I'm still fighting for him. This is the hill you're going to die on? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Kale smiled down at Sonny, who was curled against him sound asleep, the epitome of innocence, stealing watermelons and wrapping houses with toilet paper. Remembering her words, he shook his head. He'd bet his last dollar that the scorpions and the tarantulas were into dope and theft and a dozen other destructive pursuits. This Ugh. book would be a lot better if Kale didn't talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally right after that. I have marked as something that gave me the ick. Mm. With those rose-colored glasses she wore, she didn't have a clue about the real world, which was just as well. He hated to think of life's garbage soiling her, spoiling her sweet compassion and bright optimism. Yeah. I'm like, brah. Like, she's not a child. She's 26 years old. She's a grown woman. Yeah. Okay, but then... <laughs> Trying to salvage this? I will. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, sweetheart. Let's get you inside. You're exhausted. Want me to carry you? She shook her head. I can walk. But she was decidedly slow on her feet as he led her upstairs to the connecting bath between their rooms. It pained him to see her so fatigued. She was such a delicate, brushless creature that deserved to be pampered and coddled and cuddled. Something about her made him want to slay dragons and carry her on a silk pillow, a distinctly new attitude for him. I like I don't like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's funny because if Nick Dalton were saying this, would you feel better about it? No. Really? I don't, I, I don't know. I think it's just like the whole seeing her as just like this delicate thing that needs to like be protected and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I'm like, I, I feel like that's condescending. I'm like, do you not like see me as an actual person who can take care of myself? I'm a, like, I don't like that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, I guess I don't like being coddled. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't either, especially by <laughs> men. Well. Ugh. If it's a man doing it, I just assume that he's a misogynist. <laughs> mm -hmm. He slipped her between the covers of his bed and crawled in beside her, drawing her close. Kale? Hmm? I don't have on my nightgown. Don't worry about it, love. I'll keep you warm. 
He kissed your forehead and delicately veined eyelids. Uh, and then she says, I, I don't think I can, I can fuck tonight in not so many words. <laughs> he says, there's always tomorrow. His heart almost soared through the ceiling with love for her. He whispered the words, but she was already asleep. I like that, too. I did it because they've Why? only known each other for four days. <laughs> no, they've known each other for like a month. They've only been fucking for like four days. Ugh, they've known each other for like two weeks. He no. said he might stay a month. No, because he ended up staying longer by this point because the station has been in such fucking disrepair. They got a news anchor threatening to kill himself. Their relationship has no substance. <laughs> it bothers me. But can we talk about about the part later where he compares her her eyes to a to a marble that he liked. Yeah. <laughs> I like that part. That did get that I did think that was kind of cute a little bit. I thought it was funny. It was endearing. Yeah. After that we can like speed through things where the show the network hasn't been doing as great because Sonny isn't doing weather reports anymore and the guy doing them now, Roland or something, isn't as accurate as she is. So he's gotten the weather wrong like four times in two weeks. So people are pissed. And so basically she's like, what the fuck? So they're going to make me weather a reporter again. And Kale hasn't told me, even though we've been together like 20 out of the 24 hours per day for the last like <laughs> week. But then they come up with a solution that I honestly like skimmed over because it was, was stupid. <laughs> Basically, Roland does the report and then Sunny is like, I agree or I don't agree. Which is so dumb. Yeah. It's like, ugh, whatever. It's stupid, but whatever. But then the rest of the plot of this book essentially is that they've been alluding to this tropical storm drifting through the Caribbean at that moment and is sort of on the way to Texas, but not really. Sunny gets this like distinct feeling that the storm is going to come their way and is going to hit Corpus Christi and it's going to be pretty bad. Eventually, she and Kale decide like, we do need to say something about this if you really believe it, because I do believe you now. They get onto the news and they say like, only moments ago, the National Hurricane Center in Miami upgraded the storm to a hurricane, and as I forecast on Friday, although I have no desire to alarm you, I believe that the storm will intensify and enter the Gulf of Mexico. She took a deep breath. Neither the National Hurricane Center nor the National Weather Service will be likely to issue hurricane watches or warnings for several days, but I predict that Hurricane Chloe will make landfall on Texas coast early Saturday morning, a few miles north of Port Mansfield. I urge everyone in our coastal viewing area from Brownsville to Port Isabel and up to Rockport and the lower end of Matagorda Island to be on the alert and to be in all necessary precautions. This includes Corpus Christi and the surrounding area. Stay tuned to KRIP for updates on the storm's progress. The next day, there are a bunch of headlines being like, this fucking nut job in Corpus Christi, Texas predicts that this hurricane is going to destroy the the coast or whatever prophecy or publicity stunt yeah so over the course of the next week it at first looks like sunny's completely wrong and then the storm turns and it definitely looks like she's going to be right yes so fortunately like the mayor and the city council whatever listened to her so they postponed this like huge festival that was supposed to happen they took all necessary precautions as far as like clearing the harbor and a couple of other things yeah, so she ends up being right. And so something that I like kind of flagged here was just, you know, she went out on a limb telling every, telling the whole world that this was going to happen and it would make her like look nuts. Mm -hmm. 
So I understand why she wouldn't want to be wrong. Mm-hmm. But it, during like the entire like last bit of this book, it seemed like they were like, oh, God, please, I hope this hurricane hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> That's a very good point, actually. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny. Or I'm just like, wouldn't it be good if you were wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so... After a particularly rough interview with somebody from, I think, like, Good Morning America, she and Kale are in the bath again. He says to her, in what I think is one of the cutest scenes in the entire book, did I ever tell you how beautiful your eyes are? They remind me of a very special taw I had as a kid, a taw being a shooter when you play a game of marbles. She laughed and she climbed out of the tub and reached for the towel. My eyes remind you of a marble? Let me do that, he said, taking the towel from her and rubbing her dry with long, sensuous strokes. Mind you, this wasn't just any marble, it was a honey of a shooter, as clear and blue as the Mediterranean, though I'd never seen the Mediterranean at the time. I could knock anything out of the ring with that taw. I was convinced that it was magic. I was the marble terror of Tenaha, Texas, and I always ended up with a pocket full of agates. She looped the towel around his neck, pulled his face down to hers, and gave him a quick kiss. I had you pegged as a hustler. You started young. A hustler? Me? Woman, you wound me. Take that back. Nope, she said saucily. I calls him like I sees him, Mr. Network Stud. That's worse. If you don't take it back, I'll have to resort to drastic measures, he grinned. Her eyes widened and she batted her lashes. Drastic measures? I'm quaking in my boots. You ticklish? He reached for her ribcage and she scooted backward, protecting her sides with her elbows. Kale Hoagland, don't you dare. You know I am. Take it back. No, she shrieked, wiggling away from his tickling. She bolted from Ravinia's room, laughing as she slammed the door behind her. She sprinted to her bedroom, turned the lock, and leaned against the door. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He catches her and tickles her a little bit. I hated that. Really? I hate being tickled. Yes, I do too, but I will say this, it feels more consensual. Mm -hmm. I feel like if he said, are you ticklish? And she was like, yes, you know I'm ticklish. Do not tickle me. I feel like he would have been like, okay. Yeah. But her being like, no, don't tickle me. <laughs> You're so sexy, Kale. <laughs> <laughs> Anything for like... my network stud. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a solid no for me. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Just no, no to tickling. But also then he eats her out, which, you know, pretty, pretty solid. I didn't Man. expect it, to be honest. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. And from 1992. Yeah. I love that for her. Yeah. I'm going to torture you, make love to you until you say uncle. Um, he nudged at her. <laughs> he n- yeah, I know. <laughs> he nudged her knees apart and moved between them, then circled her navel with the tip of his tongue. He moved lower and lower until her eyes widened. Yeah, I-, I thought it was fun. Yeah. And then afterwards, much later, they lay in Kale's bed, body stamped from lovemaking. Sunny yawned as she stroked his chest. Whatever happened to your blue marble? I think Billy Wanamaker stole it. I could never prove it, but I'm sure he did it. He's a state senator now. Figures. Totally relaxed, she smiled and nestled in the peaceful comfort of his arms, wishing she could stay there forever. I like that. I think it's cute. I know that I I see how deeply unimpressed you are. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, no. (laughs) Eh, You know. One bit of, like, really good writing that I like. It is, it only sort of involves Kale this time, Nicole. <laughs> so she's thinking about how eventually Kale is going to, like, have to leave and go back to working, you know, international correspondent. He's supposed to be going to Tel Aviv. 
Yeah. After this, yeah. She felt as if she were in limbo, helpless to do anything but anticipate the approaching onslaught with dread. It occurred to her that waiting for the storm was analogous to waiting for the day of Kale's leaving. Although he hadn't mentioned it to her, Scuttlebutt had it that Kale's bureau chief had called twice in the past week, urging him to get back to his post. The dread events were both coming closer and closer, inevitable, uncontrollable, devastating. She snuggled into the perfect cradle of his arms, her hand on his chest, feeling the beat of his heart beneath her fingers, breathing his familiar spicy scent. She hadn't intended to fall in love with him, but she had. How would she deal with the hole he would leave in her life? After hurricanes passed, people rebuilt and went on with their lives, but there were always scars gouged in the land that took years and years to heal. Even then, things were never quite the same again. That was nice. I thought that was good writing. Yeah. Agreed. After the hurricane passes, the headline on the front page of uh, of the newspaper says, Thanks, Sonny. <laughs> Sonny actually gets a call from a Mr. William Hicks, who's a vice president of, they just say, a vice president of the network. Yeah. So they don't say exactly what, but she's offered a job at the Washington Bureau, which has been her goal because she double majored in communications and poli sci, I think she said, mm-hmm. and graduated like with honors. So that's what she's wanted to do. She's wanted to do some reporting in like the realm of politics. So this is essentially her dream job. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then she goes to tell Kale the good news. And at the same time, he gets a call from his boss being like, hey, tell that sweet piece of ass that you're hooking up with that you got to go. And she runs out of his office crying and she goes out onto the ledge <laughs> that, that Yulon always goes out onto when he's threatening to kill himself. She's <laughs> apparently not doing that. Jesus Christ, that fucking ledge. Yeah. We need to put up like a fucking like bars on the window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he goes out onto the ledge and says, Damn it, Sonny, what are you doing out there? She glared at him. Would you please stop saying damn it, Sonny? My first name is not damn it. You need to watch your language. You have an absolutely foul mouth. I did like that. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Sunny, my precious, my love. What in the hell are you doing out here? She's sad. She's like, we're going to have to go our separate ways. And then he's like, nope. He reached into the pocket of his pink shirt, pulled out a small velvet box and opened it. I meant to pick a more romantic spot to do this, but will you marry me? Boo. And both, I, I felt you and I both simultaneously give a psychic eye roll. <laughs> from from miles apart. Is it because these characters are having sex? that it feels the need to include a marriage with a happily ever after. Oh my God, if I had to marry the people I had sex with, I would not be a happy person. <laughs> Listen, I, th- <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I hear you. Yeah. That has to be it, right? It has to be some kind of like morality thing. I also think like, okay, I own how to write a romance novel for dummies or something, mm-hmm. you know, as part of like my reference books for, you know, research purposes and stuff and so it's actually written by an editor for harlequin Mm -hmm. so you know she knows what's going on Mm -hmm. but they actually go into like the whole structure of like a romance novel and what elements should be included and you know why read a romance novel if it's not going to have a happily ever after yeah and so i feel it's just the mindset that a happily ever after requires a marriage yeah which like I don't think is the case. I mean, I feel like if the book could just like allude to it or make it clear that this relationship is enduring, you don't need a proposal. Yeah. Just show me a very happy, healthy couple that seems like they're well-established and will stay together for a while. And that's all I need. It seems more realistic. Yeah. 
Like in Rose and Rain, we were A plus about that epilogue that, you know, said they're going to be together for the rest of their lives or like implied it through Dream Sight or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we didn't buy the opening part where it's like, I got married to him today. Yeah. It's like, if you took that out, it would have been perfect. Yeah. And it still would have had the same effect. Mm-hmm. The only time that I have bought a story that, that we've read that is ended in a marriage has been Love Me Whole because that yep. takes place over like two years mm-hmm. and is a very slow and deliberate burn. Yes. And it's earned. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. If it's not earned, it's literally just thrown in here. And it, this is what takes me out of the story. Yeah. Because I was wondering, I'm like, oh, is this just me being a millennial and also cynical about marriage? And I don't think that's it. I just don't think it's believable. I feel like that's not enough time to know somebody to say, oh, I want to be legally binded to this person. I'm married. And I got married pretty young. I got married at 23, like almost 24. My wife and I got married on our third anniversary. Even then, looking back, I'm like, that that's kind of quick mm-hmm. to me. I mean, we moved in together after like six months and then got married after after three years. And it's like, that feels more realistic. And it's basically the same timeline as Love Me Whole. Yeah. I think the one that we believe the most besides that, at least in my opinion, is probably Kane and Gisela. Because it doesn't say, like, when they got married. We know mm-hmm. that they got engaged after, like, a couple of months. I even believe Innocence Nine Month Scandal just because it's it's a marriage, it's, it's a shotgun wedding yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> it just makes sense there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where they, like, actually say, oh, we're going to get married because of this child. But then they fall in love and whatever. But, yeah. you know, Allegedly. but the, the, the original intent was there yeah so it just yeah this it uh the the biggest eye roll when i read that i'm like yeah i'm like the first of all a man has committed to or has threatened to kill himself multiple times in that exact spot (laughs) (laughs) you never really get get closure on Elon's story (laughs) no are they gonna make him be anchor again (laughs) since sunny is leaving (laughs) oh no oh oh and there's no good not gonna because she's always been the one to like talk him down Oh, R.I.P. Yulon before one out. He's going to kill himself. Oh, Yulon. <laughs> they did yeah. so dirty in this book. Yeah. Justice for Yulon. So anyway, Sonny is like, what are you going to do in Washington if you're giving up your job as a foreign correspondent? And he says, I'm not exactly destitute. Ravinia left Foster and me enough money to last four lifetimes. Must be nice. Must be nice. God, I wish that were me. Oh, I can just drop everything. Because my rich aunt died, and I'd literally never have to worry about money again. Must be nice. Yep, living the dream. Living the dream. And that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, he says he's going to go wherever she goes, and he's going to write a book. He's ready to settle down. He's tired of traveling and seeing all these horrible things abroad. Yeah, I can write anywhere, so we'll move where your opportunity is. With me around to find your car keys and give you baths, you're going to be the best damned reporter Washington, D.C. has ever seen. You'll wow them. Eyes shining in that fantastic smile, turned on high. She stood on tiptoes and offered her lips. He kissed her with all the love that was in him. The and. I like him saying, you know, your job is going to go out there and and do actual work, and I'm going to find your keys for you and give you baths. And, and, you know, and we're... (laughs) Gonna be a great trophy husband. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's living the life that I want. He Uh, where where he has enough money that he could just do whatever. 
His partner has an amazing job, and he just sits at home writing. That's yeah. all I want. <laughs> I uh, am single right now, uh, so if mm. anyone wants to be my sugar parent, uh, mm. hit me up on my Twitter, <laughs> at Sexy Pagliacci, um, <laughs> or you can get my cat a job, mm. and he can pay for all my things. That'd be good. Please note that he is a bastard, so <laughs> nothing in customer <Yep>. service. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nicole. Would you like to go into rankings? Let's do it. So, Smasher Pass, Kale Hoagland. Okay. If you asked me six years ago when I was unmedicated, Smash, <laughs> now that <laughs> now that I'm mentally well, pass, hard pass, he would annoy the fuck out of me. I'd kill him. Even after all this, I can't <laughs> I can't tell you what it is about him. I think maybe I like the dynamic between them. I think that I can whip that man into shape. <laughs> if Sonny can do that, I can. I will beat his ass. See, I wouldn't want to have to. I'm like, I'm, it's not my job to make you tolerable. Oh, trust me, I would do it once, and he would he would back down forever. <laughs> oh my god, bless your soul. I could never. I'm like, it's, I'm not your fucking mother. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm gonna give him a soft smash. <laughs> Sonny Larkin, smash. Pa- pass. Oh, not not past smash. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huge smash. Yes. Honestly, oh my god. Like. I love her. One of these days for like an, an anniversary or a special or something, we need to do like our ideal pairings like between books. Ooh. Yeah, because honestly, I think she's my favorite female protagonist so far. I yeah. specify female protagonist because Love Me Whole was just amazing. Yeah, of course, Oren, Oren is our favorite follow. Yeah. But I have to agree. I think that, I think Edith Stone is probably my second from uh, Wildfire Griffin. You know, one thing in common with all three of these characters fake autistic energy. <laughs> I like how strong of a character she is. She is what Shannon O'Connor could have been. Yes. I mean, she is, this is a very similar character, except that she's perkier than Shannon. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I again, like we mentioned this in the Roses and Rain episode, where it's like, we understand why Shannon is the way she is. I mean, she has a lot of fucking trauma mm-hmm. prior to her being attacked she seems like she has a strong personality just like sunny does mm-hmm. so that's what this is what could have been yeah yeah sunny drove this book absolutely i mean the book ain't called kale says yeah because if it was i'd be like i'm sorry i can't do this episode <laughs> so yeah hard smash on sunny same so, Nicole, what would you give this book in terms of steaminess? So we have like one and a half sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And one of them was very meme mm-hmm. And then we have a couple little things thrown in there, like the fingering in the bathtub, him going down on her. So I'm going to give this like, so I'm going to give it like a solid two. 1.9, I'm dropping it down. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about steamy things in this book, I don't really think about the sex scenes so much mm-hmm. the one thing that i always keep coming back to is like gently rubbing his finger around her nipple like in the rain mm-hmm. and him being like you know tell me to stop and her being like why would i and it's like that was really hot to be honest mm-hmm. even if you know i love consent here i love enthusiastic consent my favorite sex scenes that we've ever read on this podcast were all about enthusiastic consent it did not start with enthusiastic consent, but it definitely did go to enthusiastic consent. Mm-hmm. And I don't know something about that. I like it. Anyway, I'm giving it a two. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to say that I'm giving it the same ranking as you. I thought <laughs> I, it was okay. Yeah. The parts like that really made up for the parts that weren't 
sexy that we're supposed to be. Yeah. Like, because we didn't really go over it, but like he was super horny throughout this mm. whole book. And that just turned me off. I'm just like, we're, I, I don't know if it's because I just don't like him or mm. because, I don't know, there's just like no substance to their relationship. <laughs> and he was just <laughs> like, oh, I just want to like touch her and whatever. But it just didn't do it for me. So that took away a bunch of points. But then, yeah, parts like that with him like unhooking her bra in the pool and then like, yeah. And then like like sucking on her nipple while they're in the water. I'm like, oh, it's kind of hot. Okay. So that that did bump it up for me. Yeah. It's parts like that that almost make me understand the Harlequin Presents thing where you get like the the alpha man just sweeping you off your feet and mm-hmm. you not need to ask or anything. I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. It's not for me usually, but here I kind of get it. I think because it's a gentler version of that here. Okay. Fair enough. What do you give it for dreaminess? Yeah, like a two and a half. Okay, I was gonna. I was thinking. I'm like, this is probably where we're gonna like have the biggest divide. All of my dreaminess, honestly, comes from Sunny and how yeah. much I love her and how much she like. I don't find the relationship dreamy. I find her dreamy, like her putting him into his place and stuff. Yeah, I like their dynamic. Yeah, so I'm gonna give it like a one point eight. Yeah, two and a half. I've I thought there were some good parts in there. I liked how he wanted to like protect her, but how she proved to him again and again that she could protect herself. Mm-hmm. You know, I just liked her end of that. I don't like all the times so he was like, I want to protect her. I'm like, no, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay. And now for Mimi-ness. So I think we're going to be a split here too, because some things did not translate well to the mm-hmm. 2012 version. And I didn't get a lot of that. It's, oh man. I think this is like a three and a half. Wow. I'm almost tempted to give it a four. Wow. I mean, like the parts of the technology that did not get edited. (laughs) Some of the dialogue is just weird in this book. Mm -hmm. It's like, should you read this book because it's funny? Ah, sure. It's short. Just if you want it, it's short. This book's like less than 200 pages. Yeah, 178 on my copy. I think mine was like 180, but Kindle is always weird. So, okay. A lot of this stuff in this 1992 copy made sense. So I can't give it points for that. There are things that made me laugh, like the whole, like, he's the tin man and he found his heart. I'm like, oh, that's mm. so corny. And then there are parts, like like her throwing the soap and saying, like, wash your own back, you pervert. I think also just hitting all the tropes was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Just like how much was in here and also how little was in here. Yeah. I'll give it a 2.1. I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah. So would you recommend this book? Um, I wouldn't recommend going out of your way to get it. Well, like I did because, I mean, I got an original copy, mm-hmm. so I had to order through like thrift books and stuff. But I mean, it's on Amazon, on like Kindle. That's yeah. fine. How much did you pay for it? Like maybe four tops. Yeah. So there's that. Like if you encounter this at like your local thrift store, sure. Why not? Yeah, if you like this and and you thought it might be fun, we left out like half this book because it's like it didn't matter to yeah. <laughs> to what we summarize in this podcast usually. I mean, even what um, we t- a lot of what we talked about didn't matter. <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> but we did have to fill a couple hours. But isn't that what a podcast is? Just exactly. talking about things that don't matter. <laughs> a way to fill a couple of hours. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think the book is pretty okay. Mm-hmm. I think it hasn't aged well. Even the updated version. Yep. I I don't think it was okay then, to be honest. Uh, nope. But I think there are some fun parts. I think Sunny is a great character to read about. 
Oh, absolutely. Like she she makes the book for me. Mm-hmm. And yes, if you want just like a really quick, easy read that is like tropey and has a really fun female lead, sure, read it. It's very brainless. Yeah, that's exactly it. I would consider this to be a meanier book than Wildfire Griffin because Wildfire Griffin has like substance and angst to it. Mm-hmm. But it also has like that intentional meaniness of it being a griffin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this week's book. So, Claudia, what are we reading next week? So next week, we actually have a next episode. We're going to have a double feature, a creature feature. We're going to be reading uh, both On the Water and The Water's Edge by Jerrica Taylor. These are both very short books, but they are sequels of each other. Same story, something like that. This is our Halloween episode, and we are actually going to have a special guest on. Very special guest. A very special guest. So we are very excited to do that. So tune in for that. Cool. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at SexyPagliacci. That's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I. You can follow me at PunkDyke, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. Can't believe nobody had that app. (laughs) Follow the show at the 3LW Podcast on Twitter. We are also on, we're on everything. We're on instagram and we're on patreon so support the show if you enjoy we have we buy a lot of books <laughs> oh we have a lot of books uh we have fun little rewards for our patrons so be sure to check that out and we will see you next time thanks for listening see you next time bye, bye. Hey, Jane. Hey, Jacqueline. What do you think the most significant YA book series like the 2000s to the 2010s is? Oh, definitely The Hunger Games. Uh, no, no, I mean like... Like uh, Twilight, Twilight. That's the best No, one. no, I'm talking about the Percy Jackson series by Riordan. Uh, I've not heard of those. If I wanted to listen to a funny podcast about those, what would you suggest? Well, I would recommend Unwise Girls, which you and I host. This is a podcast where we reread, analyze, and frequently joke about the books of the Rick Riordan verse. And we see why people call these the best young adult magical series of the 2000s. 
and we always take time to declare which characters are canonically, factually, not cishet, because Rick Ryden is not the boss of us. Listen to Unwise Girls every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Moonshot Network.